United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. The dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Cross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Cross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. <laughs> okay, there was a point in the night where I come downstairs mm-hmm. and shining like a, the North fucking star or two half naked little bodies on the couch. And it, I realized at that point that yeah. there was a point in time in my birthday party where you and I had both gone to sleep because you mm-hmm. crashed at my house mm-hmm. and I was coming to let the dog out. Between us falling asleep and me letting the dog out at three in the morning, Oliver said, hey, man, I'm going to take off my clothes, <laughs> but I'm going to leave my underwear on. Yeah. And subsequently, there was another point where Ty said, hey, man, I, too, am going to take off my clothes <laughs> down, to my, down to my jimmies, and I we're going to fall asleep on this couch together. And I look at them, and they almost look like a playing card reversed, where instead of, like, you know, the king sits, like, head yeah. opposite, it was, like, yeah. king touching. They were, like, an inverted playing yeah. card, where both their their hairy little faces and their beautiful golden or brown hair shone in the light. I felt mm. like fucking Pinocchio, and the green fairy was coming down to tell me I could finally be a real boy. Such was the imagery. <laughs> Of them just <laughs> laying head to head on the couch, mm-hmm. half naked, falling asleep, playing old school what, in 64. What is so funny is that I too got up at three in the morning and went, I went downstairs with a bit of a fury to be like, Mitchell, <laughs> you have a tea time tomorrow. And you told me that we need to leave here by 730 in the morning. I was literally getting ready to be like, eh, yeah. <laughs> and then I walk downstairs and I like I see coming down your stairs, you can see the living room and I see no bodies. And I'm uh-huh. like, huh? Are they in the backyard pissing? So, <laughs> would have been a just, really good guess, actually. That would have been in the top five of family feud for guessing. Yeah. <laughs> been in the backyard pissing. So I get off the stairs, walk closer, and then I see that they are, as you have described laying head to head mm-hmm. like a but they're watching they're watching um oh my god what were they watching they're watching like a they're watching like a 2000s comedy with um jim carrey <laughs> i think it was this um, liar liar <laughs> no uh i think it was dumb and dumber you know what in my heart, I want it to be Dumb and Dumber, it so it should just be Dumb and Dumber. Don't hold me to it, but I think it was. And it just reminded me, it was it was interesting because it was the scene of a teenage sleepover with two grown men, yeah. two in their 30s men. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I just didn't even bother. I didn't want to wake them up. I just turned around and went back upstairs and went back to bed. Yep, I it was yeah. I quietly let Puffin out. The thunder scared him. He immediately ran in, mm-hmm. jumped on the couch on Ty's feet, and Ty went, yeah. and, <laughs> and I think he woke up enough to see Puffin laying there 
And I went, sorry. Mm-hmm. And I came upstairs. So even I'm going to assume he fully woke up, realized that not only have they been seen, yeah. but now the dog's in on it. And I went back upstairs and I was like, Puffin's staying down here with y'all now. And he was like, laid his head down yeah. and unbothered immediately went back to sleep. And so, you know, here is their friendship. It's, I know they're hanging out right now. <laughs> they are, yeah, they're on a date. <laughs> they're on so, a date. so uh, I, you know, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Oliver might be in the same boat. But um, Ty has that that confidence of a 47 year old father mm-hmm. where he doesn't care if you're having a sleepover with 10 of your best friends, he's walking to the kitchen in his underwear. Yep. He does not care. And this is his house. <laughs> I now understand what my mom went when she was, what she meant when she would say, I want you to come into my home and be comfortable. Or when people are like, make yourself at home because mm-hmm. I got so many amazing birthday presents that I will cherish forever, but none have as much value as seeing our partners semi-nude <laughs> on the couch together. <laughs> just Napping together. So, at three in the morning with, like you said, the TV just blaring. Yeah. And they have drunk themselves into a stupor. Yeah, their bodies illuminated by uh, the home menu screen of a movie playing (laughs) over and over again. The DVD screen just recycling over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's so cute that they tuckered themselves out on N64. And they were Mm -hmm. like, do you want to watch Dumb and Dumber? Mm -hmm. Freeze frame high-fived. Yeah. And then just fell asleep, tuckered out. And they slept through the world's loudest thunderstorm. The world's loudest and brightest I woke up multiple times because the lightning was so bright. It illuminated the bedroom as if someone turned the lights on. Yeah. I'm not scared of thunder and lightning. And I got shooketh a few times because the thunder was so loud. It made me jump. It startled oh, me. I jumped so many times because I would be in, it was so constant too. Uh-huh. I would be in that zone where you're just about to fall asleep but you're still kind of awake, like that hallucinatory zone. Uh-huh. And then the loudest crack of thunder and the brightest light of lightning, almost, and like two bolts to it would be one and then two seconds and another one. I damn near levitated out of that bed. Yep. I shook like a fucking chihuahua. <laughs> I unwell. Despite being sober as a fucking judge, when I went mm-hmm. to sleep, I woke up with a hangover. That's how shitty my sleep was. I, I mean, same. I, but I also know that it was because I had like three of those fucking strawberry. Oh, uh, the pink panty droppers. Oh, those natty. I didn't have a single natty ice. Oh my dude. The Smirnoff ices. Oh yeah. Oh, that's what they were. They were Smirnoff ice. They weren't natty (laughs) ice. RIP. Um, Hey, what's up? My name's Noel. And if you want a drink that goes down like fucking kool-aid and i mean this you know when people say that they go oh my god it tastes just like juice but then like you take a sip of it it has that initial first taste of juice and then it hits the back of your throat like nail polish remover no this you could have given this to a toddler they would have sucked it down the smirnoff ice strawberry tasted like a capri sun it was unbelievable delicious okay divine honestly euphoric i will get a drinking problem i will start one up from scratch because those are so 
fucking good. Like, I, I crave it now like I crave <laughs> the fucking fruit juice from the supermarket. Like, the Minute Maid fruit punch that comes in the red container that's 7,000 calories. Yeah. I crave it like that. Oh, my God. Well, I have two left, so maybe I'll drink one with dinner when we're done recording. But you I'm should. Chelsea, and I am a calendar year older and celebrate. And the only reason I bought those was not because I wanted to drink them, but they fit in with the yeah. party's theme. Which yeah. is just pink. And I was like, yeah. ah, pink. I mean, all that to say, I had two or three and I felt horrific the next yeah. day. I felt like my insides had dried out like the Sahara Desert. I was unwell to the point of being ill. Yeah, plus the not sleeping. Unwell, and yeah. I don't know if you've ever had so sorry we're getting so off track, but it was Chelsea's birthday. So who yeah. cares? That's also why this is late. So go fuck yourself. Sit on my dick and spin. Um, happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. What were you going to say? I got so distracted on being mad. You came in clutch with the birthday gifts of those thrifted um, Star Wars episode one like tumblers one hat one has jar jar binks on it which i personally love i can't wait to make that and integrate that into my full personality and then the other one has anakin and the pod racer yeah um and then a darth maul action mm -hmm. figure and a what are those called the the jar jar binks like fluffy ball thing that you yeah got i don't me. i don't even remember what those it are looks either. like a cat toy but i also love jar jar binks not ironically i just i loved him from the jump um, yeah. and i a loyal asshole so you are Man, what a great birthday. Ty also came in clutch with the Joe Ingalls jazz jersey. I got a Succulents Lego set. And I got the Witches of World War II graphic novel. Which I'm going to beg to borrow when you're done reading it. Oh, we're reading it for book club for the month of September. So if you want to come just be a fly on the wall, if you want to join in and read it, oh, I'm going to knock it out. Uh, it's not too much. It is. Let me look here. I think it might be like a regular nineteen ninety nine. If I'm being honest, I don't know. But you'd get six issues and it's <laughs> independent. I don't know. Well, um, I love that. Let me peel off this sticker. I hate it when people put stickers on graphic novels. I feel like that should be a crime. But I got um, it for my birthday, so I don't know. And there's a sticker over the price tag. Uh, $16.99. Fucking steal. I recommend everyone get it. I'll invite you all to my book club. Um, if you want to, because we are and not you can going get to be it recording on... for September. Oh, yeah. I was going to, yeah. Um, it's on Kindle for $7.99, which is great. Too bad I don't have a Kindle. But um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. About September. Yeah, we're going to take September off and just prep um, for the con. And also... Just, you know, we deserve a little break. It's been yeah. uh, so hard being so busy lately. And um, I've decided um, that we we can't say that we're pro-union and pro-workers' rights and then give ourselves no breaks and overwork yeah. ourselves. So, it, But I think <laughs> it's hypocritical. But uh, yeah. I 
think we'll still probably do Patreons every now and then because I just like Patreons to catch up with you and uh, decompress, which I think will be 100%. Needed. Yeah, and we're going to need Patreon to... There can still be like mini Patreon episodes too. It's just like to make content for Maine, it's like at least five pages of research, but there could be like little mini Patreons where it's like two or three pages and we can still do it like a regular episode. We just can't commit the same time and research through September because I'm already stressed out and it's not... It's yeah, I already ha- I next week I'm gonna start rewatching the prequels. So yeah, uh, so yeah, that's a thing. Um, Fanex takes uh, probably more of my time prepping for that month than the whole year of writing uh, podcast does. So yeah. it's pretty labor. Well, and then we immediately go from September Fanex prepping, and then of course. Um, y'all get extra episodes because we record all of our panels. So those mm-hmm. are free Patreon episodes that we put out. So you get like triple content. You get basically like a month of little content, but then at the end of the month, you get just seven to 10 episodes. Um, and then we immediately roll into um, Spooktober, which we try to prep before we do. Yeah. Um, and we have a, we have a lot to live up to with last Spooktober's um ghost hunt and interview so we've definitely got to start getting that ready so i think it's in everyone's best interest to take september off and just prep prep for the con and prep for october's episodes yep so thank you sorry we're doing our best yeah so with that being said oh yeah before we get into this any any wisdom you want to bestow upon everyone now that you're a year wiser no no, nothing. You didn't learn anything from this past year. Oh my year. god, what have I learned? Um, I have learned that uh, the second you are mildly inconvenienced over wedding plans, you go like this, and then you just have one in your kitchen. Yeah, that's what I've learned. Yeah, I think um, that you know, I learned that from you as well. I already knew that. Um, I, we've talked about it in passing before, and potentially even on here um the innate peace and love no offense like sexism of weddings the origins the origins of which it comes from the whole giving away it's it feels like a trade of property um and i always had battles with that and sometimes i felt like maybe i was out of line or being uh uh what's a what's a derogatory word that like women are called like like a spinster yeah and i was maybe i was like being like to that um but then you just like co-signed on all my thoughts of like yeah the moment this starts to feel like it's for everyone else and not for y'all it's a fucking problem so mm-hmm. and the I the relief i feel it. also if you want to uh you can buy a used wedding dress off of mercari just look up m e r c a r i which buying used anything there's no hate in the game and then you can sell it and you can sell your dress back to mercari and you can forward or pass on the love so that's what i've learned uh mostly this yeah she's flipping off the camera again yeah um we are an audio only (laughs) (laughs) we are unless you fall out of the chair and then somehow we miraculously (laughs) get video footage Um, Oh my god. The way that people beg for video when they just like don't even really know what they're asking. Like you think you want it, but you don't. Like we are literally literally disgusting. I would rather die. I would rather 
I I have wanted to do video Patreon where we do the thing where you narrate a makeup tutorial, but I'm behind you with my. That's different. That's different, girl. But you were like, I get a good base going. You shut it down because you wanted to get a good base going, and that's when I knew we were this close to being sellouts. But also, that's different. That's like making content. That's like a whole. That's like how we did the ghost hunt video. It's separate. It's almost like a separate thing that we decided to do. It has nothing yeah. to do with this. That would be good October content where it's us, but our partners are reaching behind us doing the makeup, but they have to actually fucking try. Oh, I mean, do you want it to be horror makeup or just makeup? Oh my God. What if we did do horror makeup? Like That'd this is my funny. tutorial for how to be a mummy or how to be a witch. Yeah, I think that would be fun. Okay, speaking of right, anyway. things that'll be fun, let's do um, the topic that you chose for your birthday as a present to yourself. Yes, as a present <laughs> to myself. Pigs are my favorite animal, always have been, uh, always probably fucking will be, not sure, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make that prediction. I'd put money on that prediction. So we're talking about pigs today. Um, and unfortunately, our smooth brains are likely going to forget all of the pronunciations we looked up when we tried to record this oh my time. God. Oh my god. So in the rugged highlands of Papua New Guinea. That's wrong. Papua. Papua? Papua. No, it's Papua. Pa- Papua. Fucking hell. Oh my god. And I already forgot how to is it taper or tapir? Oh my god, you look up Papua, Taper New Guinea. This feels like Papua, no, you're right, Papua. Papua? What was the other one you said? New Guinea? Papua. It's Papua. Papua. No, you said something else second. That was crazy. But anyway. Papua? Papua. It's Papua. Okay. Taper. Taper. Okay, I'm looking up taper, the animal. It's Papua. So I said it right the first time, and then I said it super fucking wrong. Yeah. Okay. So in the rugged highlands of Papua New Guinea, among the jagged terrains of the Wharton Range and Owen Stanley Range, legends circulate about a beast called the Devil Pig, also known as Noel when she's on her period. What? Got him. Uh, this creature isn't a regular barnyard animal or the usual swine or javelina you might think of. While it does have cloven hooves like a regular pig would, it's better to think of it as more of a hybrid mix between a pig and a taper. And now, Noel, you can't say you've never seen one before because we looked one up the last time we tried to record this and got so rudely interrupted. Um, I, I personally think they're cute. You found the most unflattering picture known to man, which conveniently pops up every time I open my slack. Um, <laughs> the the taper is um, a pig body with a micro elephant mouse face is what I would describe that as because it almost has like the ears and the eyes of a mouse and then the n- trunk nose of a micro elephant yeah, um, or and then like, it has scary human teeth. Yeah, it's like if an elephant bred with an anteater and they went in a really cold swimming pool. You know what I mean? Yeah. An know. uncircumcised elephant nose in a very cold pool. Yeah. I mean, like, they're cute in a scary nightmare way. I think they're cute. They're predominantly indigenous to South America, but there are some African ones or I think, like, uh, East, like Eastern Asian ones, but predominantly South America. Do you want to know what's funny is after we tried to first record this and failed, um, immediately after 
I had a TikTok pop up about like a tapir, a taper, sorry, yeah. taper in a zoo in the United States. And it was talking about how they're very like nice. They're yeah. like super little, nice little guys. They're like the capybaras of the Western hemisphere. Very yeah. cute. I also got stuff for him too. So thanks TikTok for listening. That's why everybody's freaking out about TikTok because they don't want us to see the content that we talk about on our phones. And we happen to talk about cute animals. And yeah, that's why, you know, you hate to say it, but TikTok is the best algorithm. Mm-hmm. They steal the thoughts out of my head. And I'm like, oh my God. TikTok know? is the Steve Madden of social content. It's true. Steal the thought right out of your head. Steal mm-hmm. that idea right out of your fucking mind. So, while tales of a hefty four-legged creature in New Guinea have been around for a while, it was Charles Monckton's 1906 expedition to Mount Albert Edward that catapulted the devil pig into the limelight. Charles, who lived between 1873 and 1936, was kind of what you would call a big deal if you're into British colonialism. And it was the <laughs> and he was the right hand man to the big shots of British New Guinea. Now, at one point, he did sneak into Germany's section of New Guinea, which led him into quitting his job in 1907 and serving in World War One. So, if you're into League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you can think of Charles Monckton as someone of an Alan Quartermain who was in all the elite social clubs, had super wild adventures, and wrote books about his travels that all the young men at the time made up. There were a mix of diary-like details, thrilling adventures, and take-no-prisoner opinions about his peers. And he did get some pretty cool insights on Papuan traditions, um, and in some of his writings, he claimed to even have encountered a strange and massive beast pig who roamed the lands of New Guinea. And his tales spread like wildfire, catching the fancy of English settlers in the region who started referring to the creature as Moncton's Gazika, which was a playful dig at Charles. Over time, people mistook this native name for the devil pig, but let's dive into what Gazika actually came from, because it's more than just a random moniker picked out of thin air. It actually has roots in pop culture and existed way before it got tied up into the devil pig's legend. So pictures of this. The year is 1901, and the stage is set for the comic musical The Little Mitchus, M-I-C-H-U-S. Um, and George Graves, the creative genius behind it, introduced a monster character called the Gazika. The twist? This monster is found by an explorer who's quite fond of his whiskey. And so much so, every time he sees this Gazika, he thinks it's actually a booze-induced dream. So the Gazika, as you can imagine, became a huge sensation on stage. I also just want to say, Charles Moncton, um, in my brain, I envisioned the father from the Thornberries, kind of like an eccentric explorer from a time when just digging around in places you shouldn't be in was a full-time well-paying job. Mm-hmm. And um, I... I found what I believe is a picture of him and he just actually looks like to me, um, a guy who is very into craft beer and potentially Mm. brews it in his own basement. Like some hipster. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he has, uh, what I assume they're depicting as a unibrow 
and a very well manicured, thick mustache that it's not a handlebar. Let me be clear. It could be. But it's like, it's a literal handlebar in the sense of like a handlebar of a modernized bicycle that's just straight out a pole, like a, like poles that you it's, grab onto. It's, it's like a mustache molded after the arms of Jesus in Brazil or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like arms are straight out. Yeah. Um, it's a very Christian mustache. It is straight as an arrow. It could you be think, a handlebar. You think that's a Christian mustache? I think that's... That to me, that's the mustache of a man who commits war crimes. Actually, as I yeah, say, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that is that actually is as the, Christian. Yeah. That is as Christian as it gets. That is the mustache of British colonialism. Yeah, that is that is. I kiss the yeah. ring of the queen right um, there. That's that's a big colonial yeah. British. And then face. he can scoop up his tea set with his mustache. Um, yeah, oh, he's I, he for sure spins his little mustache points in his teacup with a little dollop of sugar. I know it. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I wanted to picture him as the, the hunter who comes in from Jumanji, but yeah, he's not near. Well, he was also like kind of a wild thornberries esque type, but yeah, now yeah. he looks just way more boring, which you know what? We shouldn't give him too much credit. Also the picture that I found of him is titled Charles Moncton, the trigger happy colonialist. I found the exact same one. So I'm glad we're looking that at the is, photos. You know, calling you a colonialist is evil enough. They're, they're depicting your trigger evil happy. enough. Yeah. Adding trigger happy in front of it. You were a fucking <laughs> demon. <Yeah. laughs> you were a living <laughs> demon. The great white scar of New Guinea. Ugh. So let's fast forward a bit from this play becoming super popular. Um, because as soon as Charles Monckton shared his tale of the devil pig from the trains of New Guinea, British settlers playfully dubbed him the pig, the Monckton Gazika, which was a jab at old Charles. And it implied that the public saw him as somebody who essentially had too many drinks and spun too many tar tall tales. But it was pretty lucky for us that Moncton didn't take this nickname too likely, and he did express his annoyance with these witty scribes more than once. But luckily, um, he was really interested in kind of proving his discoveries correct, and he didn't want people to be curbed by his nickname. So he was like, you know what, I'm going to set out and I'm going to make sure that y'all know that I'm not making this shit up. Also... I, we were very on the target with our assumptions of him, like being like a pretentious hipster who yeah. brews his own beer in his basement. Like he was known as a, like a liar, but like a liar who would like spin fairy tales and stories to seem interesting yeah. and cool. Yeah. Who was also like an alcoholic. And is that not the same thing? Uh, hold on. Let me tell my dogs to start barking. <laughs> she doesn't yeah, have over to yell the dogs um yeah because he's on a date with your boyfriend right now um yeah it's <laughs> it's that it's like it's the alan quartermain where the man himself is just a dude living in another country hunting big game and then he spins these tall tales that are really fun to read i'm not gonna fault him on his writings for being fun but it's I am 
a character. I am the Indiana Jones mm-hmm. of New Guinea. And this mm-hmm. is why it's, Oh, one time maybe he stumbled, like he fell out of a raft and he stumbled into a settlement of indigenous people who live there. They made him eat a bug because he was starving to death and they sent him home. And then that somehow gets, oh, I've survived the world's most terrible monsoon. And then I ran into cannibals. And then to get out, I had to eat my way through a cage made of bugs. There's going to be truth in there. But um, I do want to give him credit in his Monkston pig expeditions. He did find references to the devil pig. And he also backed it up with other people's discoveries of it. So he was pissed about this one. You know what he reminds me of? It's like the trope of... um, and I hate to bring up Harry Potter because I hate J.K. Rowling, but it's the only one that's coming to mind. But it's like the the Professor Lockhart. It's the exactly like he is this persona, this caricature, mm-hmm. this essentially liar, but great writer, a great storyteller um, who makes up like fan fiction about himself. And people buy into it and believe it. And some of them don't. And then when he's like put on the spot or becomes a professor against the dark arts, he fucking flops and flounders because he's none of that. He's like a fake. Yeah. He's definitely the boy who cried wolf with adventures because then he finally stumbles across something that has genuine um, weight to it where it can actually hold up. And it's already at this point, he's already become a character. So we're not shit talking him to discredit the devil pig, but it's like, dude, you fucked yourself because you probably stumbled onto something fantastic and amazing. And you were so pompous and annoying that your own. Yeah. No one wanted to reputation believe you got because, in the way yeah, of it. Yeah. You're a dickhead. Your reputation preceded you in a way where you were just a pompous ass. God, a tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. So. Let's go into some of the sightings that he gathered and can be verified. So, in the Goldie Expedition of 1878, there was an intrepid explorer named Andrew Goldie, which I think is kind of cute. Goldie is a cute last name. Goldie's Um, a cute name in general. Yeah. Ventured deep into the heart of British New Guinea, armed with little more than unwavering curiosity. And this mystery began when Goldie stumbled upon large, perplexing tracks that confounded logic itself. Reminiscent of a horse hooves clad in iron shoes, these mysterious prints bore the additional enigma, enigma of four distinct <laughs> No, enigma. Enigma. It was an enigma. Just poo everywhere. <laughs> um, adjacent to these tracks lay an even more intriguing sight. A detailed impression in the sand as if a massive creature had decided to recline there. Goldie's memoirs, released to the public as late as 2012, deepened the mystery by revealing that eerie, undefined rustlings, akin to the movements of a gargantuan animal, had filled the previous night's air. So this is kind of where the smoke is, right? This is the Mm -hmm. first thing that Monkston could stumble upon that kind of helped verify that there was something in the area that other people have referenced. Especially hooved animals. Yeah. Anytime I camp, which has yeah. been twice. Just, but. No, just Noel's giant fucking hooves with gangly yet stumpy toes at the same time. Yeah. Walking five feet before her sudden onset of asthma just causes her to fall down, lay down. Mm-hmm. And then she wakes up, stumbles around in the darkness and scares the British colonialists. It, you know, it's actually 100% accurate as a yeah. five, three, five, four on a good day woman with a size nine foot who has 
random onset <laughs> asthma. <laughs> yeah, I, I just huffing around. Um, man, what a vision. Honestly, living your best life. You were the real cryptid all along and the cryptid was just being tired and maybe lost. Yep. Yep. Um, so the McGregor twist quest of 1897. So nearly two decades later in 1897, Sir William McGregor and his team trekked across the Owen Stanley range and they too were fated to come across some bizarre phenomena. McGregor discreetly noted an encounter with an unidentified animal possessing a long snout in his official report. But in private conversations with Charles Monckton, he divulged more. McGregor spoke of inexplicable animal tracks located at a dizzying altitude of 9,000 feet atop Mount Nutsford. <laughs> for giggles. We've recorded this twice, but I am going to pause for giggles. No, we didn't get to Nutsford. We got to Nutsford because then we looked up how how high the altitude is of Salt Lake City, and it's about 4,500. Oh, we did. Well, it's 4,300, and you were like, that's half. And I was like, almost half. And then I was like, dummy. And then we moved on, but then we both agreed that Nutsford is a funny name. Um, more than half is basically half when it comes to altitude. So, how about <laughs> you true. get correct? It's true. So, Camp Captain Anthony Musgrave, part of the same expedition, added another layer to the tale. Near the border of a swamp, also at around 9,000 feet, he found the tracks of an animal so large that it left footprints measuring four by four and a half inches. It's not that big. Not that big. Um, but big enough if you know how to use it. Local villagers spoke of a devil pig, and later on, that same expedition produced accounts of a colossal beast dashing through their camp at Mount Victoria, leaving them in awe and wonder. Also, that kind of sucks. Like, the fact that this guy, Anthony Musgrave, fucking saw the devil pig but wouldn't talk about it in his official reports just shows that only a man as brave as Charles Monkton. I can't even finish that. Uh, it's just crazy, though, because, like, how many times do you think this got seen and the locals were like, hell yeah, it's the devil pig. But then you get well, these white dudes who are like, I don't want to fuck up my reputation. I'm going to just say that it was a mystery in and of itself. Like, how much history is lost to pussies? I hate to be that guy, but it's very reminiscent of what we are seeing and hearing about now with UFOs, like yeah. all of these different um, people and people in high ranking and power who have something to lose have all seen and experienced it, but know that it's better for them, their reputation, their careers and their social standing to say nothing about yeah. it. You're hundred percent right. Tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. But now we get to Charles's expedition, which is the Moncton expedition of 1906. So Charles was on Mount Albert Edward. What was that? My DoorDash got here. Hold on. I'm going to keep reading. Captain okay. Charles Moncton's journey to Mount Albert Edward in 1906. This is a very professional podcast. Take center stage in this pig saga. He detailed the expedition in his seminal work called Last Days in New Guinea, where he described not only tracks and fecal matter, but also recounted a chilling near encounter between his men and the cryptid beast. On May 10th, shout out my sister's birthdays, Army Private Ogie and Village Constable Oina were dispatched to track down this elusive creature. Ogie found himself face to face with two behemoth pig-like entities. When he fired his weapon, the smaller creature retreated, 
but the larger one eerily turned to stare at him. Noelle's not scared of gunfire. The assistant accompanying <laughs> Ogie screamed, Those are devils, not pegs! Before the large creature sauntered away in response to a call from its companion. Ogie's t- that was me snorting. Hurry up, Noel. It would have um, been it would have been way cooler if after he said like that's not a pig, that's a devil, or that's a devil not pig. That like the pig rather than sauntering away got up on two legs and then like flipped them off <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then walked backwards though, like never like, turned around, just like yeah, kept the just fingers moved, up. Away. Yeah, yeah. that would have been way cooler. But they did want to highlight that it wasn't, it didn't walk away because we fucking shot at it. It walked away when its companion started to oink and it was a loyal ass hoe and it followed it its friend. Sauntered, mama. Yeah, sauntered. Sauntered Just across that runway. Shaking that hoe little pigtail in their faces. Sashayed away. <laughs> but Ogie's testimony stated that this creature was dark skinned for a horse like tail patterned markings and emitted a haunting shrill call same mama that's what they call me girl yeah. a haunting shrill call <laughs> it's like they're they want to call it a banshee but it's like no nah, it's fat though <laughs> like yeah. you know what i mean like imagine yeah. if it was like slightly skinnier and they would have described it in much more appealing terms and such as the stereotypical colonial British male. Yeah. Just like, I had a horse tail and it was a devil. Very shrill like my It wife. was a big, fat, shrill devil, just yeah. like Brenda back at home. Yeah. I don't know that accent was. No, I don't know. I, always, I can never do an Australian accent on purpose unless I'm trying to do a British accent on purpose. <laughs> then I do an Australian accent on accident. Um, I haven't watched Love Island in a long enough time. So, And I'm so bad at accents. And the only reason why I was... Yeah. I could feel okay even doing it for the shame was because I was watching Love Island, but like uh-huh. now, now I can't, I couldn't, you put a gun to my head, I'd die. Couldn't do yeah. it. But that, that call scared bear enough to run into the office. And now he's just gently sniffling around the room. Okay, I buddy. I was going to say, I saw <laughs> his little head. Also, do you want to see something sad? Sorry to yes. sidetrack again, but speaking of expeditions that hurt our souls. Oh, I bet this better DoorDash. Is it spilled in the bag? This is what $33 of food looks like. You're dumb for paying that and not letting your boyfriend buy it for you. We don't have to talk about the I every day I fight for feminism. And sometimes that means buying my own food and crying about it. I'm not going to call this a test. Um, I'm just going to out of curiosity. I'm going to ask, can I order DoorDash on your credit card? Oh, you're asking. Oh, he's going to say no. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like when the offer happens, <laughs> it's rare enough that you should accept it. Um, if the I offer don't was real, ordering. <laughs> if the offer was real, and I'm gonna be a true stereotype, then when I said no, you don't have to do that, he would have done it anyway. Maybe, but he didn't uh, know he, he's gonna play dumb and not know what you want. I know that's fair and true, but either way, either also he said it so kindly with exclamation points and smiley faces, and I was like, no. <laughs> So <laughs> you fucking devil pig. <laughs> like, no! Squaw! Squaw! And then you ran off into the thicket to scare the Brits. Oh, I hate myself so much sometimes. So, so stupid. The Lorenz expeditions of 1907 to 1910. This guy's name is cool. Hendricus Lorenz. Actually, it's Hendricus Lawrence, but then it's also known as Lorenz. And you're like, what the fuck are you saying? One of them is just Lawrence. But I would also go by Lawrence. 
Yeah. It's just Lawrence, regular, regular name, but he wanted it to be Lorenz, which is L-O-R-E-N-T-Z. Mm. Led expeditions into Dutch New Guinea between 1907 and 1910. Reports claim that during one such adventure, Lorenz himself witnessed an astonishing beast, a large animal with a taper-like snout striped in black and white. Later accounts reiterated the bizarre nature of the creature, adding that it bore a visage like the devil. If I could describe you, it would be a vis- devil-like visage. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I wouldn't ever say anything bad about you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would say that with love. It would be a term of, uh, a term of endearment. endearment. Yeah. yeah. That's the only way I would interpret it. Mm-hmm. And then in 1936, there was the Karstens Odyssey, where Anton Collagen led the 1936 expedition. Anton Collagen, mama? Yeah. Led an expedition in Dutch New Guinea again. And there, amidst the snow-capped peaks, the mountaineers discovered tracks eerily similar to those found by McGregor's expedition. But to add to this mystery, snuffling sounds broke the silent night, coming just from outside their tents. And though they never saw the creature, its ethereal presence seemed to mock them from the shadows. Too many people experience things camping. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen like a TikTok video of like some guys camping and they're filming like Blair Witch style. And there's just like hard sniffing and like grunts of an animal outside. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Why do we do this? And why do we do this? And it's not even anywhere cute. Right. Cause like, there's a difference. I've camped twice now. And um, the first time I went, it was near a pretty little body of water that we were paddleboarding on. It was gorgeous. It had intention. But these motherfuckers are just out here on the top of a mountain with nothing but dirt and trees and animals that want to eat you. And I'm like, why are we reverting back to the caves? Like, have we learned nothing at all? Yeah. And it's, it's silly, too, to be like, they didn't see the creature, but they were fucking scared regardless. That's such a camping experience where, like, I don't think I've ever seen shit camping, but there have been times where I'm like, there is something scuttling around out there. And I don't think it's a creature of this ethereal plane. It's not one I could identify. There is just a presence that lingers that just scares the shit out of you like now and then. So I get it. Yeah. We shouldn't be outside like that anymore. We have iPads. Why are we outside? That's crazy. No, I would like, I can't, I, the Wi-Fi isn't fast enough outside to scroll through my TikToks, so not interested. How am I supposed to go to sleep? It's like, come on. But in the end, their fervent efforts and the <laughs> widespread media frenzy, neither the British Ornithologist Union, who looked into all these claims, nor the Lorenz Expedition and everything in between, could produce concrete evidence of the devil pig's existence in these ranges. They all unfortunately came up empty-handed with solid evidence, despite the numbers of encounters and sightings they all shared. But there is an interesting thing to note here. 20 years after these failed expeditions, famed explorer Miller Doyot <laughs> set his sights on finding the renowned devil pig once and for all. Now, if this sounds a little familiar, this guy's name, it's because we previously mentioned him in a previous episode, is one who set out to find Percy Fawcett. Now, if George Miller Diet's name, I'm going to say his name different every time I come across it. I like it. If never that, get it wrong if you're never right. <laughs> if that doesn't sound familiar, that's okay. But if Percy Fawcett doesn't sound familiar, um, it should because he's the guy that we talked about who looked for the giant fucking snakes in the Amazon and 
disappeared along with him and his son. We, you know, when we first started this episode, I was jealous that you used to be able to just go out and dig in the dirt and travel across the world and come up with nothing but ideas mm -hmm. um, and imagination and stories. And you were paid handsomely for it. And I just assumed they threw a cloth bag full of gold doubloons at you. Um, and I was jealous. I was jealous because I was like, why couldn't that have been me? Obviously it couldn't have been unless I was born a man, but still, why couldn't it have been me? And then I remember how like these motherfuckers were just getting murked. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, JK, I'm glad yeah. it wasn't me actually. And it's like, at best, they died. Yeah, at best, you get like yellow fever and yeah. shit your brains out until yeah. you die. That's at best. At worst, because I think Percy and uh, there's like footage. I think it's the George Miller photo of that massive snake that was taken from like a plane where it's like this thing has to be bigger than anything we've ever documented. Mm -hmm. at, at the coolest, most metal way, he was eaten by a giant fucking snake. Um, and that honestly sucks so bad. Yeah, I saw terrifying. a video of a snake. To me, it looked like a fucking anaconda, but I know it wasn't. And it was crawling in the backyard, of course, in Australia. <gasps> From the roof? Did you see the fall? And all you tree? see is it's like, yeah, but you don't see its head or its tail. You just see body. No, you see the head when Blech. it eventually oh, gets to the other side. Podcast. And then you see the tail when he eventually gets to the no, tree, but it went from the roof to two two trees. It went from the roof and it spread across two trees. And they were being so casual about it. I would have like lit my house on fire. No, no, no. I would have called That's, the cops, which I would never do, but I would because I would want them to shoot and kill that motherfucker. That's on where I immediately get a fucking buzz cut mullet. I tear off my shirt to reveal an American flag shirt. My leggings go from like black and comfy to cut off jorts and i just start shooting fucking yeah. up in the sky i yeah. produce guns from my bare arms and i'm just yeah yeah people like are gonna I, die the yeah. way that i become these colors don't run in that moment yeah yeah when there's a snake that is big enough that snake could have eaten a person easily yeah no yeah and they were being so fucking casual about it. And I was like, this is insane, actually. This yeah. is, you know, I hate this country. But then I see videos like that of Australia or like fucking giant spiders the size of my head crawling out of toilets in Australia. And I go, home of the free. You yeah. know what I mean? I yep. say, home of the free, mama. This is where I reside. I have pride in this country. God bless America. God save our troops. Um, red, white, yeah. and blue. Um, you uh -huh. can't take away my uh -huh. guns, you know? Like, yep, yep. It I just, feel you. The, yeah. It's the toxic nationality patriotism that just comes over me where I open my mouth and a fucking eagle caw comes out and I'm just like, mm -hmm. and then the, yeah. behind me there's just fireworks and pollution. A mm -hmm. diesel truck drives by and its exhaust shoots out black everywhere and I'm like, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That was my visceral reaction to that video. Yeah. Cause we I saw went. a snake at my birthday party and it was the size of my pinky. 
Cute and as a I froze. There's a snake. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and uh, uh, it slithered at me it, a little bit. And I wasn't. It had a pattern. It had yeah. a pattern. And I was like, that means scary, girl. The evolution of me pattern. is coming out. Saying, <laughs> I know. Get the fuck away. Like, there was a grandmother within my maternal lineage who was attacked by a snake in the caves. And I remember that in my blood. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Honestly, it haunts me in my dreams. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. Within the stories of the devil pig, some pretty intriguing things surface. So bear with me. I don't want to say I get lost in the sauce here, but things do get a tad intricate. Because when I was diving deep into the mysteries of the devil pig, I started to come across interactions that the pygmy tribes of New Guinea had with said devil pig. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's where it gets fascinating and a little confusing. Because there is a web of stories worldwide where these diminutive beings and pigs become intriguingly intersected. And when I say diminutive, I mean little people and pigs hand in hand. So let's go into some notable examples. So we have the leprechauns of Ireland. So in the misty realms of Ireland, uh, leprechauns pint-sized leprechauns. Those are Republican leprechauns. (laughs) Weave the magic. And, um, but instead of stealing your gold, they take your birth control pills. Yeah. While their tails often revolve That's around gold. <laughs> um, well, maybe a merch idea for the future. While their tails often revolve around gold, they also don't shy away from a bit of fun with animals, especially the cherished and domesticated pig. Because in Celtic lore, pigs were more than just farm animals. They're also symbols of bounty and prosperity. So oftentimes you would get tales of cheeky leprechauns whisking away farmers' pigs, all for playful jest. It's a fucking cheeky leprechaun, (laughs) mate. (laughs) Next, let's talk about the Duendes, which comes from the Philippines and Latin America. So across the shimmery shores of the Philippines, and we've talked about Duendes before, I believe, um, to the ancient heartlands of uh, Latin America, the Duendes hold court. Mysterious forest guardians, their tales often entangle with creatures of the wild, but often they include the ever-present domesticated pig. So often so that if a pig suddenly vanishes or there's curious antics with these farm animals, it will culturally and commonly be blamed on the mischievous duendes. Next, we're going to come to the Namaragar, which is Native American, which spreads across. So when we spread across the expansive canvas of Native American lore, the Namaragar emerge, fierce and formidable despite their tiny size. And while their miss uh, with poison arrows is widely acknowledged, it is more often so that they are described as pig-like, especially in their faces. So now creatures that seem to be a blend of human and pig once sound like pure myth, but there have been discoveries, even as recently as 1932, that challenge this perspective, most notably the unearthing of the San Pedro Mountains mummy. So, located 60 miles south of Casper, Wyoming, this tiny little mummy standing at four inches, at 14 inches or six or seated at 6.5 inches, initially had a lot of skeptics crying hoax. hoax. But scientifically, fuck, I'm having a stroke. 
But scientific probes by the prestigious American Museum of Natural History and authentication <clears throat> by Harvard's anthropology department paint go. a different picture. The mummy, astonishingly, seemed to be of an adult age around 65 years. It had a fractured spine, shattered collarbone, and crushed skull, which hinted at a violent end. But bizarrely, it flaunted a full set of sharply pointed canine teeth. But subsequently, a study by the University of Wyoming revealed a twist. The body was that of a infant whose unique cranial malformation resembled a mini-adult. But another similar mummy study of the 1990s told a similar story, with its DNA linking to Native Americans from around 1700. These intertwining tales of small tribes of diminutive-sized uh, beings like the Nemerigar of North America and the Pygmies of New Guinea with elusive pig entities is indeed a fascinating subject. It seems that across vast expanses of land and culture, certain themes like that of little people and pigs emerge repeatedly in the annals of folklore. But why? I know you're asking. Pigs have held significant roles in numerous cultures, often symbolizing fertility, wealth, or abundance. These creatures often are of the earth, they root in soil, and in many ways represent the primal wild aspects of land. In contrast, the little people, whether Nemerigar uh, or Pygmies, often inhabit, uh, inhabit the fringes of the known world, the liminal spaces between what we would say is civilization, colonialism versus wilderness. Can I also say, have you looked up the picture of the San Pedro mountain mummy? Yes. Nothing could have prepared me for actually how small it is. There's a picture of a guy um, with the wyominghistory.org holding it in the same type of glass dome and display specimen that you see people showcasing like mummified bats. No, dude, it's like the exact specimen is which the beast kept the fucking rose in and Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, or that, same deal. But nothing could have prepared me for how tiny it is. It's six and a half inches seated, 14 inches estimated standing. Smaller That's than a piece of paper. See, crazy. See. Wow, I just needed the visual and it really just broke my whole fucking brain. And, and then there's also x-rays of it yeah. um, showing that there is like a, obviously bone structure, like an entire skeleton inside of it, which was my next question was like, have we scanned it? Because it looks like something you would have seen in a 1950s traveling circus freak show. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's two schools of thought. University of Wyoming thinks that it's either an infant but the big, big American Museum of Natural History and Harvard's Anthropology Department think it's actually a 65-year-old adult. So I will let you choose sides on that one. But I'm going with Anthropology Department, mother. Yeah, because it even looks like it's either it's either uh, an infant with Benjamin Button disease or a 65-year-old person. Yeah. Um, very interesting, but it's not a hoax, right? That that's the thing I I really want to put forward is is an authenticated human. It's not something yeah. that it was faked for like a circus where they glued a fish to a human body and yeah. were like it's a mermaid. It's an authentic. It's not the it's not the usual information. You yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the. I already read that part. Putting aside these intriguing tales like the pig-like Nemerigar for a moment, 
If you're under the impression that North America lacks its own pig cryptid, then you're surely trying to rain on my birthday parade. Enter Squonk, the pig cryptid of northern Pennsylvania and our own little swine-like Eeyore. So let's talk about him really quick. Squonk. I wish Squonk had enough to be its own episode, but it doesn't. So I put him in here. Look at you just having, <laughs> messing up all of my stuff by not knowing how to just copy paste on the... So in the in ancient lore, JK was only like years ago. <laughs> oh my god, look at it. It looks like, like a, a fat, like... sad pig, yeah. It's like a very it's a very sad pig. It looks um, like a pug. I have artwork of it in the Antarctica room that you stayed in. And I don't know if you looked up at it, but I'll send you a picture of it. I'm sure you'll be like, that's the squonk, because I have yeah, I definitely have art of it up in the spare room. But the squonk was first whispered. In the tale of the pages of the 1910 masterpiece called Fearsome Creatures in the Lumberwoods. Its mystique grew deeper and more captivating as its legend was further etched in the 1939 tome Fearsome Critters. This chronicle painted an odyssey of the creature, detailing its migration from the sun scorched deserts through the mists of haunting swamps to the forested embrace of Pennsylvania. The ever shifting landscape of the earliest early 20th century, marked by the restless wandering of logging camps, was the force that beckoned this elusive creature to find solace in Pennsylvania's green heartland. Keep that in mind. Unlike other cryptids, the imagery of the squawk remains relatively unchanged from its original inception, with Cox's fearsome creatures of the Lumberwoods stating, quote, the squawk is, a very is of a very retiring disposition, generally traveling about at twilight and dusk. Because of its misfitting skin, which is covered with warts and moles, it's always unhappy. Hunters who are good at tracking and are able to follow a squonk by its tear-stained trail, for the animal weeps constantly. Oh, but when God. cornered and escape seems impossible, or when surprised and frightened, it may dissolve itself in tears. So while you may be the devil pig, I'm the squonk for sure. Um, first of all, peace and love to the squonk. You know this is just a pig with mange. No. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come. Well, I'm just saying it might be more obtainable to see than you imagine. It's like whenever you see a coyote with mange and everyone's like, skinwalker, and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, someone get animal control out there. Same thing. This guy is just a sad not mange. Don't mange. even come. Don't even come for any other cryptids and saying it's mange because that is just the haters dismissive attitude that's going to sink this country into the fucking ocean. <laughs> Subsequent twails, w tales whispered on nights. Twails! Dude, I got it. You want to know why? It's because one. I'm drinking water and not alcohol. You're on one, dude. I'm going to wet my whistle, so to speak. Subsequent tales whispered that on nights where the moon's glow was brightest, squonks tread even more cautiously. The reason was simple yet heartbreaking. They shunned away any chance of seeing their perceived deformities mirrored in the moonlit waters. Beyond their infamous This is a fucking animals. cryptid with body dysmorphia? Yeah. Um, legends added another peculiarity. They have webbed toes, but uniquely only on their left feet. As for its evocative classification, the creature was bestowed the title Lacra Lacrimacorpus dissolvens, which is a blend of Latin words signifying tears, body, and the act of dissolving, which refers to the squonk's melancholic ability to vanish into tears when trapped. Mm -hmm. In the realm of chemistry, there exists a parallel to this elusive pig. 
So I don't even want anyone to hear that that is not possible because certain compounds, Oliver's gonna like this part, though stable in specific forms, can spontaneously transform or break down when isolated, much like a squonk dissolving in despair. Take, for instance, a molecule with both a carboxylic acidic segment and an acid sensitive segment. When stable as a salt form, it becomes volatile as free acid. Such volatile compounds, which mm. seem to dissolve in their own tears, have earned the moniker mm. chemical squonks. Mm -hmm. I totally believed everything you were saying because you said it with such confidence. Thank you. Also, if being able to cry and feel such giant feelings of despair to the point where you dissolve into nothingness, we wouldn't be here, girl. Man, I should have that Tuesday for me. We would have not, we would not <laughs> be sitting here, mama, I'll tell you that. So the devil pig of Papua New Guinea and the squonk are both intriguing cryptids. And though they emerge from various regions and cultures, they are interesting thematic parallels to the draws between them. So let's go into three of the of how they link up. So they have sure. mysterious origins and are very isolated. So both creatures inhabit secluded, relatively unexplored regions, the dense jungles of New Guinea for the devil pig and the deep forests of Pennsylvania for the squonk. Their environments add to the mystery of their existence and only few have claimed to encounter these elusive creatures. Next is human interaction. Encounters with these creatures are said to be rare and they often end in mystery or tragedy. So the squonk, when confronted, dissolves into its own tears, making capture nearly impossible. Whereas stories of the devil pig often emphasize its elusive nature and those who encounter it are left with more questions and answers and oftentimes have their careers ruined by trying to talk about it, much like UFOs. Uh, symbolism and folklore. In their respective cultures, these creatures serve as more than mere tales of hidden beings. They embody profound themes. The squonk, with its constant sadness, symbolizes the struggles of human insecurities, vulnerabilities, and our innate longing for belonging. That's why you like it. I do. The devil pig, shrouded in the impenetrable mysteries of the New Guinea forests, epitomizes the enigma of the unexplored. Intriguingly, both cryptids are tethered to lands shaped by colonialism and the encroaching minds of North America versus the expansive reach of the British Empire in New Guinea. You know, that's what they say. They say Pennsylvania is the New Guinea of America. That's what they say. <laughs> that's no, what they that's say. what I'm putting on my headstone. Yeah. Um, and it's compelling to observe how these mythical pig-like creatures often emerge from regions where indigenous populations have faced displacement. Now, remember I said to keep it in mind that um, both of the, where these pigs pop up is where indigenous people have been pushed out. So let's talk about that a little bit. So in broader context, both these cryptids underscore how societies project their fears, biases, and cultural concerns on the natural world. Pig cryptids, by their very nature, highlight the negative symbolism of the pig itself, which magnifies our cultural anxieties and uses them as a lens to explore our collective psyche. Yeah, I was going to so, say, like, pigs to me in pop culture always symbolize, like, negative, right? We call cops pigs. Mm -hmm. um, we say you're like a greedy pig. We say, like, you're a gluttonous pig. We also see pigs represented in horror um, you know what yeah. I mean? I think of like the characters from Saw, like the the pig head. Um, it's yeah. innately negative. They're, it's scary. Yeah. Things like gluttony, greed, ignorance, excess, and stupidity. Like, and like the other things, like the negative connotations of like cops or like 
eat like a pig, like there's a lot of stuff tied into it, are can no doubt lead to something akin to the creation of a tulpa. Wow. Instead of like-minded thoughts creating an entity, uh-huh. uh, the, dest- the destruction and independence of culture lead to cryptic pigs popping up in the woods where indigenous people once roamed and nature thrived. Wow, this being a, a tulpa is just filling my mind right now. So regardless, in the dance of science and myth, the devil pig of New Guinea stands at a crossroads waiting for its true identity to be revealed. Doesn't that blow your mind, though? That blew my fucking mind where, like, places where pig cryptids pop up are places where indigenous people have fucking been pushed out. Yeah, you have Ireland. Violent colonialism yeah. happened. Ireland has violent colonialism. New Guinea, mm-hmm. violent colonialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pennsylvania almost had violent colonialism, but <laughs> these colors don't run. Push them the fuck out. But I would say, like, then we, in turn, violently, uh, the colonialism was in the house with us the whole time because we really called it in with what we did to native Americans and indigenous people in this country. Yeah, I was going to say like what indigenous tribes were in Pennsylvania that were, um, you know, colonized out of existence and, um, onto reservations. Like it's same thing, different font. Yeah. Let's actually Hmm. see which indigenous tribes are from Pennsylvania. We have the Lenape or Delaware tribe and the Susquehannock tribe. I'm so sorry if, I had enough time to prepare. I would have said those prepared, but Shawnee—that's something that I've actually heard before. And the Nanticoke Indians, tons of, of Native Americans were in Pennsylvania. Also, didn't the pil- where did the Pilgrims land? Was Not that in Pennsylvania? We're fucking dumb. <laughs> didn't they land in New England? Pennsylvania is Pennsylvania not in New England? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they landed in uh, Massachusetts, Cape Cod, oh, Massachusetts. Okay. New England is its own thing, and so is Pennsylvania. They're their New own. New England st- isn't like a state, though. New Are England is like real? an. Ent- New England. New England isn't a state. What is the New England Patriots then? What are they from? Like, are you New gaslighting England? me? No, <laughs> New England is like. New England is a place. It's in, it's. New England is like it, New Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island. Oh my God. I literally <laughs> just. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I was literally like, there's no way you're Bernstein bearsing me into thinking there's not a place called New England in this fucking country. Oh my god that's it that's fucking embarrassing bro oh my god um but it makes me feel better pennsylvania is actually a mid-atlantic state so we're both wrong today wow even the dogs are laughing at you can you hear wow i can't believe you thought new england was a state i at least thought it was a place like there's a city called (laughs) i'm sure there's are there any let's look it up are there any cities called new england City, like I was like, they landed in New England, Mama. That's why they called it New England. <laughs> <laughs> there's a place called New England in Sierra Leone, and that's there's also all a place where they landed. New, that's also one called New England in Jamaica. Hey, so. A city called New England. And you know what, Noel? When you don't know that New England isn't a state, it might as well be in Jamaica. So there is literally wow. We just oh my god! It's like what's even the point? No, this is why we need to take a break. We've, despite all of the reading that we do, we have gotten so dumb. 
Dude, I know. But you almost gaslit me into thinking. I thought you were like, gaslighting me. You reverse gaslit me when you were like, it's a state. And I was like, I've also, never felt more dumb. I literally just typed in what state do the Patriots play in? And it says New England. I'm not. It is New England it. Patriots, but they're. Why do you? But I specifically said, what state do the Patriots play in? Because I was like, do they just like reference that state as New England? And it says, it literally, Google it. What state do the Patriots play in? And it says New England, mama. It but says, I believe they're Massachusetts. It's Massachusetts. It's yeah. Massachusetts. But, oh my God. See, I'm being gaslit at every turn. How am I supposed to know? You'd fucking Tom Brady's out here making us dumber every day. Thank God he retired God. from New England. Is he retired now? I have no idea. <sighs> anyway. That really hurt my brain. That gave me heartburn. <laughs> it was so hard for me. Slam my fucking two brain cells. Be like, <laughs> You're lying to me. New England's real. <laughs> But I, you know what, I don't want you to feel so dumb because I was like, oh my God, is it real when you said it? <laughs> I was like, I was like, but Noelle's like, not a stupid person. There's like no New way England, she would be wrong about something so simple. New England doesn't even exist. Like it doesn't even exist. It's <laughs> what they call a region of a collective of states. That is crazy. <laughs> That's that like you thinking crazy. the Southwest. It's like you thinking the Southwest is a state. Oh my God. But they don't have the Southwest Patriots. No, they don't. That's it makes it. no sense. <laughs> <laughs> if I am basing my knowledge of geography <laughs> off of NFL. the NFL, I have been lost. That's the most fucking, you know what? That's the most American thing you've ever said. If you would have said that. That's you why they call them the Patriots, mama. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you would have told that Australian snake, like I would have been shooting at it like an asshole, but you would have come up and been like, I learned geography from the NFL. That snake would have exploded on oh patriotism and Americanism. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Oh my god! I'm gonna look at a map of the United States for a while. I know. I'm gonna get you a fucking globe for your birthday. God. Oh man. But anyway, speaking of things that hurt my brain, you can unhurt your brain by going to the link tree and all of our bios. Yeah. You just want to raw dog how dumb we are without anything. Yeah. If you know that you need to help pay us to survive because we have no fucking brain cells left, you can go to the link in our bios. I'm at Noelle Fane. That's at Sith Lord. We are at Go to Help Podcast. And you can click the link to our Patreon. A dollar gets you in. Literally one single dollar, mama. One single dollar. You can do it. I can do it. You should do it. Especially because we're going to be taking the month of September off. As you clearly heard in this episode, it is much needed. Um, but we will be putting out Patreon content, so jump over there. You can also find a link to our merch. 100% of proceeds are donated if you plan on going to Fanex and maybe specifically support us on Thursday at 4 o'clock with our Defense of the Prequels panel. I would love to see you wearing um, some of our anti- Gina, what the fuck is her last name again? It doesn't matter. Anti-Gina. Yeah, anti-Gina. Uh, what about stupid bitch? Whatever her name is. Um, I will and- say, interjecting real quick, I did order my shirt and it's arriving September 12th. I ordered mine last week. So if you do want to wear it for um, Fanex, I would say try to order this week about if you if you want to. Or we'll just send you the art and you can get it printed on a shirt yourself. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Um, Gina Carano, that's her fucking stupid name. Um, 
You can get that. You can also find a link to Kelly Holloran or at Wildwood Owl on Etsy. She makes cool shit for us and she makes cool shit in general. So check her out. You can also find a link to our discord server and I'm not even going to plug Facebook because who uses it anymore. Um, and we also have links to listen to us, but we are heard anywhere podcasts exist and stream. We're on everything. Very nice. Very good. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give a hail. God, I just feel like my brain is soup. I feel like I've been lied to. I feel like I have no idea what's going on. I feel like I'm going to have to write a letter to the NFL. So for those reasons, (laughs) for those reasons, I would like to give a hail to um, potentially maybe like updated public education systems um, because that I blame them for that. Um, look what they made me do. Uh, <laughs> I also heard your own dummy dumb. I literally am allergic to being this stupid <clears throat> and on the GOP debate, because I hate myself. Um, every single candidate said that their main goal and priority is defunding um, the department of education and breaking the backs of teachers unions. And if this episode, if you could take anything from it, take that we need to fund education. Yeah, we are the poster children of you, why education needs to be funded. Um, this is what happens when public school is defunded. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and give a hail to um, education and funding public schools. I am going to say hail Pangea. Never would have done Noel dirty like this. It all could have just been one giant landmass. Thank you so much. And I would also like to say a hail Satan because he probably is the one who made New England a term and an NFL team that has confused me into oblivion. So I'll give that a hail as well. All right. Bye. Bye.